We're going to continue our series this morning, actually conclude our series this morning, Big Questions About God, the Bible, and Life. And we're going to be looking at our fourth and final question. Now, this doesn't mean we've covered all the big questions. We have not. But we've covered four pretty significant questions, categories, that non-Christians ask us often. And so we've talked about everything from science to, um, uh, to why there's evil in the world. And today, we're going to focus on the question, why are Christians so judgmental? If you have your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. We're going to ask this question, why are Christians so judgmental? This really covers our topic of society. Why can't Christians interact with society the way we want them to interact with society? So, before we delve into Scripture, because we're going to spend most of our time talking in Scripture, I want to tackle the question head on. If you have a digital copy of our bulletin pulled up, you can grab that at fbcrobinson.com slash resources, pull it up on your phone or tablet. Now, if you tap those sermon notes, it's going to give you a detailed outline in all of our scripture verses for this morning, now, at least references to all of our scripture verses, or you can follow along on the screen. Now, I want to start off by just tackling this question, why are Christians so judgmental and share this reality? Being judgmental is all about perspective. It's important that we understand that. Feeling judged is a matter of perspective. There are two different people that can hear the same news. One person can be offended and one person can be overjoyed. It's about perspective. And so often when this question is asked, why are Christians so judgmental? The question isn't really, why are Christians being mean and hateful? It's, why is their message a message that makes me feel bad? And if that's the question this morning, on why is the message of God's word, start at a place of acknowledging we are sinful people and do we do wrong things. We're separated from God because of our own actions. If that is judgmental, then that is the gospel. And we have to start by saying, in that respect, there is no apology for sharing the judgment that Scripture shares. A few weeks back on a Wednesday night, I, I did a study uh, entitled, What Do You Smell Like? I would encourage you to go back and listen to it, but I believe it was the Wednesday night that there was a user error on my microphone. And so if you want to read my lips, you'll be able to see the message, but there's no audio in that. Uh, but here's where we were going with this, What Do You Smell Like? Paul is writing uh, to the Corinthian church, and he is telling them that they are all being led in a triumphal procession, a victory parade, and they're giving off an aroma of victory. And some people smell that aroma, and they embrace it, and they rejoice. It's life-giving. Others smell that aroma, and it brings condemnation and judgment and brings death. The same parade, the same scent, the same message and two opposite interpretations of that message. And so if, if there are those watching online or in person that have this question, why are Christians so judgmental? I would ask you to get a little more open-minded and realize that if the truth of Scripture is absolutely true, we must share with you in the most loving way possible how you can escape the wrath that is predicted in Scripture. 
So when we start off with why are Christians so judgmental, sometimes it's because the gospel judges our hearts. So we're going to start from that perspective and move into this reality. There are some Christians who have given judgment with no grace. And this is the reality of what many of us enter into when we begin having these difficult conversations. I had a professor once tell me that the gospel is offensive enough. There's no need for me, the deliverer, to be offensive on top of it. The gospel begins by saying there's a judgment that's coming unless you put your faith and trust in Christ. There's no reason for me to be more judgmental than what Scripture already is. And so often, we have had good intended believers in Christ who come across very poorly because they want to stand for truth and do it without grace. Where is the balance? Where is that balance between truth and love? When is it that we should stand firm and shout and proclaim the truth? And when is it that we should gently and lovingly put our arms around someone and embrace them? The answer to this question, why are Christians so judgmental, is not going to be solved by any sermon. As a matter of fact, you can be the most graceful, loving believer who shares the truth of God's word, and somebody somewhere is going to find you judgmental. I can't fix that. What we can do is look at Scripture and ask how we can stand on truth in the most loving way possible. Read with me Ephesians 4.15. This is one of many Scripture references we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, But but I want to start off with this because I think there's a proper balance in Ephesians 4.15. It says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. As Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, he wants them to stand firm on the truth. Many places throughout the letter, especially in chapter 4, he's talking about this truthful stance and he comes back to speaking the truth. How? With purpose and with love. Can I tell you, if I knew how to live this verse out properly, I think I'd be a whole lot less judgmental. I fault on one side or the other. There are some times that I fall really hard on the side of truth, which is important, and I deliver a truthful message in such a way that the person receiving it feels like I'm yelling at them. And I'm not meaning to. I'm trying to be, trying to be respectful, but I'm so passionate that my volume often gets a little louder than it should. Here's where else it gets me in trouble. On social media when I share truth. Because there is no tone in a typed out message. So I start typing and going and I'm, okay, back that up a little bit, get a little bit more love in there and I type it all out and it looks good to me and I hit send and I'm telling you there is a ton of truth there and zero love and zero grace. It's this idea of this is what there is to believe, black and white, and if you don't believe it, then forget about you, right? Sometimes I shy too heavy on the truth and there is no love, but sometimes I'm the exact opposite. Sometimes I move so far over into that loving grace that I forget that there's a true message that needs to be shared. So when someone is compromising in their life, straying away from Scripture, particularly a believer in Christ who has moved away from Scripture, 
And they need someone to lovingly come aside and say, God's word has something better for you. Sometimes I'm too afraid and I use love as an excuse to keep my mouth shut. I don't want to ruffle feathers. I don't want to make anybody upset. I'd hate for it to come across wrong. I don't even know how they would take it. And I silence myself with good motives on love, but abandoning the truth. There's got to be a way to balance this, right? I mean, Paul wouldn't write to the church in Ephesus and say, speak the truth in love if it couldn't be done. How in the world are we going to live a life where we can speak the truth in a loving way? I've got an outline for you. We're going to spend the rest of our time in Scripture. Several places in the Bible that help us unpack what this balance is. And this outline this morning, I'm going to tell you, I I typically spend a lot of time praying over, Lord, what do you want me to say? I do a lot of research, read a lot of articles, and and I was, uh, Melissa hates me because I didn't get her sermon outline until yesterday, racking my brain on, Lord, how do we find a good balance? And I came across an outline. uh, This is taken from an article by John Piper entitled Truth and Love, and it It's on his website, desiringgod.com. There's a link to it. Uh, If you tap those sermon notes, you can click on that. So I'm I'm confessing this morning that I'm plagiarizing this outline. Because as much as I tried to find where that balance is, I could not put it in my own words better than what this article did. Now we're going to expand on it this morning, so I want you to follow along on the screen or with the notes in front of you. And I want you to write down four things. The first thing that I want you to write down is that truth aims at love truth aims at love when we speak the truth our goal remains the same and that's to do so in the most loving way possible our aim is love here's a a good verse for us to read first timothy 1 5 i'm using the new american standard version in this particular passage It says, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. Now, what is the goal that Paul is writing to Timothy here? The goal of our instruction is what? Love, right? Notice the goal is not instruction. The, The goal is not spouting facts and spouting truth. No, the goal of our truth giving is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Too often we're too concerned with the information we're giving. We lose track of the goal. The goal is love. When we speak truth, we don't lose sight of that goal. We don't lose sight of what God is put on our hearts. When speaking anything, especially difficult truth, we have to constantly remind ourselves, what is the goal? Can I expound on that goal of love for just a moment? Hannah and I have conversations often about this balance between truth and love. Um, We both have times where we falter one way or the other, and something we say over and over and over again to each other is, what is your goal in speaking? But what's the purpose of what you're saying? And usually our purpose comes back to our hope and prayer is that this would lead someone to salvation in Jesus Christ. That's the goal. That's the purpose. And when we lose sight of that goal, it becomes about facts and information. No, the goal of our instruction, 
The goal of our instruction is love. So I think it's helpful to ask this question when evaluating our speech. Is what I'm saying drawing someone to the gospel or pushing them away? Is the truth and the information I'm sharing bringing them closer to a relationship with God or an understanding of God, or is it pushing them away? The truth aims at love in everything it does, but the reverse is also true. To keep things in balance, I want you to consider this. Love aims at truth. The second thing I want you to write down is love aims at truth. And so I want to read 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6. You may be familiar with the the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, and on and on it goes, describing what love is. Let's not miss how love is described in 1 Corinthians 13, 6. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It's really important to understand that if we are going to be loving, if we are going to share love, it necessitates us standing on truth. We start to find that this this speaking love and truth is not necessarily a balance. They're one and the same, right? A loving thing to do is not to rejoice in sin and wrongdoing, but rejoice in what is true, what is right. Love is glad when truth is spoken. No, the fact of the matter is this. The most loving thing you can do sometimes is to speak a harsh truth. I don't know if you've ever been in a doctor, to a doctor and got a difficult diagnosis. I'm positive that you may have received this life-changing diagnosis. You did not do so with joy. But you were thankful that you knew the truth. That doctor loved and cared for you. So he said, this is what's wrong, and this is our plan of action. Now, you could have very easily been angry and bitter at the doctor. How dare you tell me I know my body better than you know my body. I know what I'm going through better than you know what I'm going through. How dare you tell me that I am sick or injured or need changing? Of course, that's preposterous. But we do this all the time in our daily lives. There's a sin problem in the hearts of the people around us. We have, in God's Word, a message that tells us how to overcome that sin problem. The most loving thing we can do is say, this is difficult for you to hear. There's a sin that's eating away at your heart. And God has something better. It's not loving when we conceal the truth. It's not loving when we bury the truth. It's not loving when we decide to keep our mouths shut. No, it's loving to speak the truth if it brings people to the gospel. A great example of this is when Paul is writing to the Corinthian church about their many sins. Now, we don't have to go into detail about the sins of the Corinthian church, but from what we can gather, Paul wrote at least four and maybe five letters to the Corinthian church. We have two of them recorded in Scripture, but there were several others because the Corinthian church was stubborn, hard-headed, stuck in their sins, stuck in their ways. Some of the things they were doing were so perverse that even a secular culture would look at it and say, Ew, that's icky, right? Don't do those things. And so Paul is forced to correct them. Listen to how Paul desires to correct them in 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 4. He says, I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears. 
not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. So filled with love, Paul is compelled to write a hard and difficult letter. These are the sins you need to correct. Notice how much it hurts Paul to say these words. Listen to the anguish and affliction he writes about. It does give me no pleasure, he says, no pleasure to write this to you. It pains me to have to hurt you like this, but out of love you have to know the truth. The balance then isn't a balance, it's the fact that truth and love are one and the same. If you love someone, you share the truth, and if you share the truth, you do so out of love. So a second question we can ask when we're deciding, are we coming across judgmental, is to ask this, is there anything someone needs to know to better understand the gospel? Is there something someone needs to know to better understand the gospel? And if there's something someone needs to know to better understand the gospel, you say it. You open your mouth and you share it. Because love aims at truth. The third thing I want you to write down is that love shapes how to speak the truth. Love shapes how to speak the truth. I think our original verse is the best illustration of this. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, we'll read it again. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. You know, the way we love should shape how we carry ourselves, how we speak. There is a loving way to speak truth, and by default, we understand there is a very unloving way to speak truth as well. I go back to the, the Yahoo's that aren't seeming to get as much news coverage in the last, say, five years or so, but there's a, a church out uh, in, I don't know, somewhere in the middle of the country, I want to say Oklahoma or Texas, or I can't remember, Westboro Baptist Church. You can Google them and find out exactly where they're at. You probably remember some of the protests they had. Now, some of their truth was not truth. It was unbiblical. But every once in a while, they would stand up for something that you and I would agree in, but they would do it in the most hateful way you could ever imagine. Picketing funerals, holding up hate signs, using that word hate. Now, where is the love in sharing truth when you put hate on your sign? No, there is a way to share truth without being hateful. And our love should shape the way that we communicate that truth. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to speak softly or quietly. If you read the Gospels, there are times when Jesus very angrily confronts sin in the culture, or especially among the Pharisees, the religious people. If it requires us to be soft-spoken, then Jesus did not do things properly. Now, I I dare say Jesus did everything perfectly. And there's a time to speak lovingly and truthfully, loudly. But we have to remember that our audience determines how to speak. I have three very different children. I love them all three equally. However, I realize that I can't talk to them exactly the same. When they were really little... Uh, We had Callie, who was, as a two- and three-year-old, the most well-behaved, most easygoing toddler you will ever meet. 
And so whenever she would do something wrong, I could sit to her calmly and say, Callie, you know you're not supposed to act this way, and so we're going to change by acting this way. And okay, Daddy, and she was pretty much okay. Now, teenage years, it's a different conversation we have. But as a toddler, this is the conversations we could have. It worked great. Timeouts worked wonderful for Callie. Okay, Callie, if you'll sit here and think about what you did, then, then we can get past this error. Then I had Ashton and Josiah. They're a little bit more similar. As toddlers, they were exciting. Is that fair to say? They had, uh, they had opinions on things, even as two- and three-year-olds. And so these opinions often express themselves in, in random yelling, screaming, and tantrums. Josiah will thrash on the floor, but then even more than that, he wants to thrash in your face. So you tell him no, and he wants to get a hold of you and grab your face and turn your head and kick and scream and yell. And can I tell you, timeouts don't work real well with Josiah. (laughs) Can you sit there for a minute and think about what you did? No, he cannot, right? It's a different audience. So it's a different way I have to carry myself. I'm a little bit more firm with Josiah. Part of it, because he's a boy. I said, Josiah Douglas Reed. He knows when I say that. No, sir. No, sir. You know, Josiah Douglas Reed, don't act this way. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Right? You, you've got to talk to him sternly and firmly, and, and he responds a little bit better to that, that aggressive form of discipline because a different audience requires a different voice. It's no different in sharing truth. You know there are people that you can speak the truth to to their face as bold as you want. And they're going to go, you know, I'm not considered that. I'm glad we had this conversation, and you can carry on with your lives. There are other people that if you say the same exact thing to, they're, they're afraid, they're coward, they're defensive, and they push back. So you communicate a little bit differently. You speak that truth boldly, but you do so with a softer tongue. Because our audience matters, and love should shape how we deliver the message. Love shapes truth into words that are patient and gentle and kind, no matter who we're talking to. 2 Timothy 2.25 puts it this way. When you're correcting your opponents, do so with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them knowledge, leading to a knowledge, uh, may grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. If we're loving, we need to be gentle. If we're correcting, we need to be patient. If we're caring about the person we're talking to, we need to deliver truth. But the way we love them should shape how we speak that truth. And then finally, the fourth thing I want you to write down is this. Truth shapes how to show love. Truth shapes how to show love. The passage I want to read with you is 1 John 5, verse 2. It says, By this we know we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. How do we show love first and foremost? By knowing the truth of what God's Word says and living it out. The most loving thing you can do is obey the commandments of of God. Set the example. Share with the way that you live. Your discerning when to speak and when to remain silent is tough. It's hard and it's difficult. And not a single one of us in here have it down to the right science. And so 
We need to know when to speak and when to be quiet. If someone doesn't know the truth, if someone doesn't know the gospel, it is commanded in Scripture that we communicate that truth. So a really easy question to ask is, does the person know what truth is? And if the answer is no, then in a loving way, you should share it. If the answer is yes, they abundantly know what truth says and they don't care, then we have to ask ourselves, is it loving to continue to badger the point? If someone doesn't know the truth, we must share it. How can someone know the truth if they've not heard it? How can they believe the truth if we've not told them? If someone knows the truth and rejects it, then there's nothing we can do. But if the Holy Spirit moves on their heart, it will be because of your conviction to share truth with them. But as important as the words we speak are, just as important is this question. Do we keep the words, the commandments, ourselves? i tell you why I think the majority of non-Christians believe Christians are judgmental. I, I think this is right, and I'm speaking for them, and so if I'm wrong and you're watching, correct me. But I think the reason why most unbelievers think Christians are judgmental is because we speak the truth and do not live the truth. Because we say it, this is how you should live. But for me, here's the reason why it doesn't apply. This is what Scripture says is right, and this is what Scripture says is wrong. But for my instance, if you knew the circumstances, it's different, right? The most loving thing we can do is not only speak the truth, but live the truth. Our lives are an example of the gospel to others. Before they'll hear the words you say, they will see the life you live. And when we don't keep God's commandment ourselves, how can we demand non-believers to keep God's commands? Now, this doesn't mean that you have to to live a perfect life in order to share truth. We are all hypocrites. We all fall because we all still sin. However, we should often remind ourselves that we're sinful people, repent of that, even publicly when necessary. It's okay to say, yes, you caught me and I shouldn't have done that and I'm sorry. Let's fix that according to God's word. You speak the truth and you live the truth. So ask yourself this question when deciding this balance. Does my life reflect the truth that I'm sharing? Does my life reflect the truth that I'm sharing? Am I following God's command? Truth should shape how we show love to each other. As we wrap up this morning, most people shy away from sharing truth because they're, they're afraid of the response. Most people really kind of falter on the we're loving and we're not going to speak true things. The truth is that most of us use love as an excuse to conceal truth. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or offend them, forgetting the fact that the, the first step to our own salvation was the offense of the realization that we're sinful people. We, we had to be humbled before Christ could save us. We had to understand our brokenness before we could experience God's healing. So please, please, please don't use love as an excuse to conceal the truth. And I will say, if you're unsure whether to speak up or not, consider the consequences of not speaking up. Will your silence abet in sending someone to hell? 
If the information you have is something they don't know, and you refuse to tell them, when they never accept the gospel, is it because you didn't share it with them? No, the truth has to be shared. And if someone doesn't know the truth, you should be the one to share it. We've asked four questions at each of our four points, and I think they're helpful in remembering when to speak and how to speak. First, we said, is what I'm saying drawing someone to the gospel or pushing them away? Is what I'm saying bringing them to the gospel or pushing them away? Secondly, is there anything someone needs to know in order to understand the gospel message? Is there something that they don't know about the gospel? Is there a truth that they need to know so that they can have a better understanding of the gospel? Is there anything someone needs to know to understand the gospel? Third, is my tone motivated by love or anger? Is the way I'm speaking reflect that I care about this person and want to see them know the truth? Or is it reflect that I'm mad at this person and can't believe they don't think the way I think? And fourthly, does my life reflect the truth I'm sharing? Am I being a hypocrite or am I living out the very things that God's word tells me to do? When we ask the question or when we're asked the question, why are Christians so judgmental? We have to answer it honestly because the gospel passes judgment. However, we don't have to contribute to the anger in the judgment. We can speak truth faithfully without being hateful. We can do so in love. Let's close our eyes and pray and ask God for help in finding this balance. Father, you are perfect in how you handle yourself. Lord, we thank you for the example of Jesus Christ, who is able to speak truth and show grace and compassion. Lord, I confess to you right here at this pulpit that I often stray from love and speak only facts. Lord, I confess other times that I stray from your truth in cower in the name of love. Lord, help me to understand that if your word is true, the most loving thing I can do is bring that truth to others. Father, make me a Christian who is humble. Make me a Christian who is gentle and peace-seeking. And make me a Christian who is not ashamed to stand up for the gospel message. Lord, remind us daily of our goal to bring people into a relationship with you, to share the gospel message and allow your spirit to work on their hearts. And Lord, if there's anyone in here this morning who, who is sitting in here wondering Lord, how they can accept that life-changing gospel message. Lord, let the people around them, let myself and let our church be, be those who can share that truth with them in a loving and saving way. It's in your name we pray. Amen.